Now, yeah. your, your, the pronunciation of your name is Wallace. Yes. But everyone calls you Wally. Okay. Thank you so much for being on my, my podcast. I'm so excited to be uh, talking with you today. And um, let's get started. Um, so uh, looking past the opera career, the activism, and the love for bunnies, which... <laughs> If we get down to the bare bones of the things, who who is who is Wallace Junta? Who is she? Well, she loves bunnies. Um, but yeah, I'm a Canadian and I'm also an Irish citizen, so I'm really lucky to have that going on for working in Europe. Um, I've always been a singer, so really since I was a little kid, like seven or eight years old, it's been my whole life. But I'm not actually the kind of person whose opera career defines them. You know, I'm not really much of a singery singer. Okay. Um, I'm, not, I'm not that into it, you know? What I love is the act of singing and performing, telling stories, connecting with people energetically with the audience. I'm really devoted to that. But out, outside of that, the rest of my life is very much non-opera focused. Wow. Um, yeah. And I think that actually helps me. It gives me a good balance. Um it makes me appreciate what I do on the stage as opposed to being so immersed in it that I, I can't really find context. Uh -huh. So outside of, of the, the work, my job, the singing, um, I love outdoorsy stuff, camping. Uh -huh. um, I'm a real family person. Uh -huh. I like working with my hands, crafting, um, building projects, uh -huh. handyman kind of stuff. I'm really mad about bicycles and, and cycling and recycling. Uh -huh. And both animal and human rights. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess, like, philosophically, what I love and value is being present in the moment and grateful for what you've got, which mm -hmm. has been a bit tough, tougher this year than usual, but that's something that's super important to me. Wow. You're, you're, <laughs> one, of, you're one of the few that I've interviewed that immediately said, opera is what I do. It's not exactly who I am. Okay. Well, yeah. I have in the industry i have noticed that i'm i'm not really typical like most of my colleagues mm -hmm. spend time listening to singer like old singers that they love and they like reading <laughs> about it and talking about it in their free time and it's not my thing wow that's that it really is refreshing it really okay. really is refreshing you don't you don't hear that often and that's one of the reasons my podcast I, uh, and I say, I've said this before, and I just, uh, it just bears repeating. I know you can sing, because obviously I wouldn't have you on here if I didn't think you could. But what I'm saying is, I know you can sing. I'm not interested where you started. I'm not interested in the school you went to. I'm not interested in the next gig. I want to know who you are, the, who the essence of the singer is, and, and what makes them, them, as opposed to their operatic career. Yeah, well, that's why we're doing this, right? Yeah. As performers, we're we're individuals, and we are bringing something to the world that wasn't there before. Um, some right. kind of vibration, some kind of special energy, mm -hmm. and you have to be in touch with who you are to do that in a meaningful way. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so COVID nineteen um, has has being in quarantine revealed anything about yourself that you never realized before? And has it tested your relationship with your fiance? 
Um, yeah, it has. What's really neat is I always thought of myself before this year as a person who was pretty bad at self-motivation and, um, you know, keeping an agenda and organized kind of schedule for myself. If I didn't have that imposed by, you know, an employer or a mm -hmm. company or a school, you know, mm -hmm. I always thought that if I was left to my own devices, I would just drift around aimlessly and procrastinate and, and I also thought I would enjoy having a lot of free time, weeks and months with nothing expected of me. <laughs> and what I've learned is that I actually am not that bad at incentivizing myself to work mm -hmm. and finding opportunities to do things and get involved in stuff and make myself busy um, when I don't have to. Right. Yeah, and it's been really cool because if you'd asked me this last year, I would have said, oh, yeah, no, I, if I don't get a, a weekly schedule in, in my email inbox, uh, you know, I'll just twiddle my phone and do nothing. But this year I've become so industrious and mm -hmm. I think I've been working in terms of hours per day mm -hmm. way more than I ever did before the pandemic. Yeah. Like, a, a lot of it's volunteering stuff. Yeah. Um, but just, I, I mean, I still consider it, you get up in the morning, you open your computer or you... Right. call people and you get stuff done and right. um uh, yeah so i'm i'm actually really the kind of person it seems that needs to be busy and i mm -hmm. didn't didn't necessarily know that before right right and i guess what i learned about uh, my relationship with my my lovely partner is that uh we are a good fit because we still love each other and we're actually getting happier and stronger as this time has gone on Oh, that's great. I'm sure I'm not the only singer who has had more time with their significant other this right. year. Right. <laughs> As I'm sure you know, it can go both ways, right? Yes. You can get you can get that time and realize that you actually don't love spending time with the person as much as you thought you did. But uh, we are enjoying it more and more. So that's a good sign because we're having a baby. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great. Yeah. Fantastic. Do you do you know the would you do you know the sex of the baby? Yeah, let's do a gender reveal party. It's a boy. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. We found out early on because we just figured, you know, um, I don't need the mystery. And uh -huh. uh, I thought it was more practical to be able to just sort of have an idea in my mind of, of who he would be. And mm -hmm. I'm also fully aware that he may choose to uh, change things as he goes in his life and it's up to him. Mm -hmm. But he's Starting out as a boy, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Great. Great. I love that answer. That's a great answer. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, well, since we're talking about the expected boy, are, are you finding yourself a little nervous about being a first-time mom? I'm not actually nervous about the momming part. Um, I've had, I've always known that I wanted to be a mother, and I've had in my in my life, a lot of experience with babies and kids. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a really extended family. I'm the oldest of like, I don't know, 35 cousins. Um, I have younger siblings and my little brother who's nine years younger was like my first baby. Mm -hmm. And so, and I did a ton of babysitting, childcare. So it, it's really something I've always looked forward to. Mm -hmm. But what I was nervous about big time was um, how it would impact my career for sure. Mm -hmm. And whether I would be able to, uh, I guess, take the time off that I wanted 
to make sure that I didn't miss anything of that important, um, you know, early development of the child right. without really getting out of the loop to the degree that it would be hard to get back in, in the singing career. Mm-hmm. So to be honest, this year has been such a blessing because everything that I would have canceled for my pregnancy has been canceled anyway. <laughs> canceled anyway. Right, right, right. Oh. Yeah. So that's yeah. Kind of not a problem anymore. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, 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 you know, considering the circumstances that it's been horrific, uh, uh, this pandemic, pandemic has been horrific in, in, on the other side of the coin, it's been in some strange way, blessings for other people, you know? Um, I guess, yeah, that's the two sides of the coin in, in, in just about in every situation. Okay, well, let me, um, speaking about your career, so do you think the major opera houses will be open in 21-22, or do you think that audiences still need time before they can comfortably sit in the theater? I think there's more than one answer to that, and it depends on what part of the world you're talking about. Um, I'm talking about America. Let's talk about America. In the States, I'm not super optimistic, I have to say. Um, My last contract of the last season was supposed to be in the U.S., and and it, I think, was talked about postponing it to this season, and that wasn't happening, and then it's it's still not even considered for next season and stuff. So I think that Contrary to Europe, where I'm, I'm based at the moment, mm-hmm. it's going to take more time in North America. Um, yeah. I think it's not so much about whether audiences are comfortable sitting in a theater as it is about, because of the model that we have for the arts in the country, well, I'm not American, but I guess in Canada too, to a slightly lesser degree, the funding model really resides on ticket sales and private donations. Mm-hmm. And that is I gather all but dried up. So it's really going to be about getting these companies back to a place where they can even just open their doors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll take longer than audiences being willing to come and, and sit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is, this came, question came to mind and I hope you don't mind me asking. Do, sure, do you think that America I'm going to say the major houses. Let's just say the major houses, because I know the regionals are doing it. The major houses are finding innovative ways. Do you think they're more innovative um, in finding ways of having some kind of performance for an audience, for their audiences? Um, Say, for instance, more outside. Well, it's not colder now because we're not going to do that. But I'm just saying in the beginning of being very innovative and finding ways of employing their singers so they can have uh, some kind of performances as opposed to Europe? I wouldn't say that they have, no. I, I, I feel like the smaller companies internationally, not just in America, yeah, but the smaller absolutely. companies, that's where the innovation is happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Medium companies too. And that the, the bigger houses are sticking to more of a tried and true model that that they know, like rebroadcasting older performances and you know doing a a live stream recital on their facebook page like they're not really blowing my mind with the depth of creativity yeah me either either. i feel the same way Mm -hmm. but i'm really inspired by a lot of what i'm seeing in smaller venues and 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 new companies coming out of nowhere too yeah new new operations you know 
um, the last thing I did was in the UK uh, just last month, actually. And it was, um, a, a, well, in the UK, it's a pretty big company, but I, not like Covent Garden size. This is Opera North in, in, um, in Northern England. And they, in two weeks, put together um, a production of Seven Deadly Sins with um, orchestra, soloists, sets, lighting, like a full production in two weeks. Mm. That was the whole planning phase. And then we rehearsed for a few weeks and then we did an international live stream using like top tier, um, you know, broadcasting production. And the fact that they could pull that off in such a short amount of time at such a high level, Mm -hmm. it it was a total honor to be a part of that. And it was the only performing that I'm going to be doing this year at all. So I was very grateful. But if that can happen so quickly and on a limited budget, why isn't that happening more in the US, you know? We did a socially distanced staging, um, two meters apart, every performer at all times. Mm -hmm. We we did everything right and nobody Mm -hmm. got sick. And it shouldn't be that hard, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, my my biggest thing was, I was thinking that, like you said, it wasn't the audiences per se, but how could they protect their singers? And I don't think anyone's thinking about that. It can be done. Here. Oh, it absolutely can be done. Absolutely. But I don't think that's the first priority. I think the first priority is ticket sales or how yeah. can we get some money? So, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So there seems to be a shift moving throughout the opera industry where singers are not pigeonholing themselves to just opera. Um, from my research of you, I see that you have a few genres under your belt. Um, have you gotten negative or positive feedback from the opera file regarding your uh, singing, singing genres besides opera? And do you think that it's for the better? Cool. I'm so glad you asked about that. Um, I'm very passionate about this. And yeah, actually, I have really not had any bad feedback at all. Um, I would have thought I'd get a bit, but so far, none. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quite careful about only singing other genres that I feel, where I feel I can hold my own, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of musical theater as a younger person before getting into opera, and, and I was singing country and folk with my sister growing up constantly, and I was in a jazz band in university, so... All that feels pretty natural and comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, like keeping it to what I know well and singing all of those things with integrity, mm-hmm. people seem to be pretty into the fact that I like to cross lines in my work and mm-hmm. no one's complaining. <laughs> and I guess as long as I can still show up and sing the real opera rep properly, mm-hmm. they won't have anything to complain about. That's true. Yeah, if it's not hurting your voice right. and you're, you're doing it justice to whatever you're doing, I think... I really think more singers should embrace any style that they're passionate about mm-hmm. um, in their performing. Like, wh- why can't you, if you're hired to do a gala concert with an orchestra mm-hmm. and they ask for, you know, recommendations of arias, slip in a couple of classic musical theater songs, mm-hmm. you know, something like Carousel or, mm-hmm. you know, anything by Gershwin. Or there's, there's so many amazing pieces that stand up to, mm-hmm. beside opera as, like, deep meaningful valid work that i don't know i think they're unfairly categorized as not serious enough right right Um, or if you're programming a recital and you love folk music or you love uh country there's a way that you can do that artistically that that'll go nicely alongside a schubert or a foray art song and absolutely 
Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. And I wanted to say to you, I loved your daddy's son. That mm-hmm. was, I loved it. I, it's one of my favorite songs. So I, I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. fantastic. Thank you. That was in the context of a, a recital about motherhood, which I was singing uh, last year, mm-hmm. ironically, before I became pregnant. Um, and I know, I understand that there's, you know, there's a lot of historical significance to that, mm-hmm. that show. Mm-hmm. And obviously the character of Sarah is not yeah. one that I would be casting. Right. And I would never presume to be, but the song itself and what it represents. And to me, it, it's a song about postpartum depression, about yeah. mental health um, in times of stress. Applies to everyone. Absolutely. Universal. And in my, in my recital, I really wanted to explore all the facets of motherhood, the good and the bad, the beautiful and the difficult. And there was no better song, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for that. True. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. That was wonderful. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Without breaking down. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I'm not going to take you there. Let's talk about diversity in opera. Um, mm-hmm. The public has heard quite a bit from you regarding the subject of diversity in opera and has taken, uh, and has taken precedent mm-hmm. within the industry. Have you personally witnessed any racism within your past productions? And why, why did you feel the need to speak out? What, and what's your opinion on what's happening now? That's a great question. Um, I felt the need to speak out because I think it's appalling the way certain groups of people are treated in our industry and in, in our whole society. Mm-hmm. Um, but also because I feel like I have a responsibility to do so. Mm-hmm. The more of an audience I develop um, in my work, the more of a following, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. the more I have a responsibility to use that platform to get people thinking about the status quo in our society and, and why we can't just turn a blind eye to, um, and pretend everything's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Our art form, it can really only suffer from being exclusionary and prejudiced and elitist. Like we have nothing to gain by that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a really long-standing problem, as I'm sure you know, in our industry with mainly older white men running the show for centuries, right? And with non-white artists being excluded mm-hmm. um, and oppressed and marginalized. Right. And in America, of course, um, the black artistic community has been historically marginalized and oppressed more than any other, mm-hmm. not just in classical music, but mm-hmm. almost every artistic discipline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really awful. Um, so there's still a major problem with racism in our society, right? And it runs deep. But I do see the changes this year, especially um, in like younger generations, you know, stepping mm-hmm. up, having the conversations that are needed to change the paradigm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we still have a long way to go, and this this work takes a lot of time, but I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, I really do, like, I think it starts with hiring Black and Indigenous and other minority groups in, in positions of administration, mm. taking the prejudice out of casting process, um, giving voice and space to Black and Brown creators, mm-hmm. and not just in a token way, but because they're so unbelievably worthy you right know? right um, yeah. so yeah i've really learned a lot this year and i'm incredibly grateful to the colleagues who've been honest with me when i've been off track in the work that i'm doing and and mm-hmm. they've helped me see the right perspective <clears throat> right and to answer the first part of your question mm-hmm. um about whether i've you know witnessed it in in my work so far mm-hmm. 
yes, I have in our industry. And I've also been told a lot of really horrible stories by, by colleagues who, who've been personally affected by racism in the industry. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time it's more subtle, like more microaggressions yes. as opposed to real blatant yes. racism. Um, but it's been in my school years, in my young artist training, in my professional work. Mm. This vein of of, um, of just inappropriate uh, oppression and marginalization that you can't you can't not see it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's enough for me to know that we still have work to do for sure. Right. Okay. Um, the Agma Union. I, I noticed um, your post on Instagram. Um, do you feel that they're representing soloists as they should? Or um, in your opinion, what needs to change and how does it need to happen? Well, I think what we need most in our union and in our industry is solidarity between the different groups that are represented. Mm-hmm. You've got soloists, choristers, directors, dancers, choreographers, mm-hmm. stage men, the whole team. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like we are playing as a team. Right. Um, we do on stage, but in the way that that we function in our industry, I think we have been divided because then it's easier to keep people from really talking about the issues that matter. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, I mean, I hate to say it directly, but it feels like the union has been playing us against each other for oh, far too long. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> it helps them. Yeah. And, and they've been counting on the fact that most of us don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, enough or have the energy or time enough to get engaged in the work mm-hmm. but this year we do right yeah and yeah. watching and we've been listening and and what i've seen um anyway personally it hasn't really been the most encouraging endorsement for for what the union can do for us mm-hmm. and i know that there are many wonderful people in in the agma leadership and quite a few of them i know personally and i call them friends mm-hmm. So it's not any individual's fault or responsibility, but, but essentially we have a union that does very little for us mm-hmm. uh, as soloists, especially. And in a historically challenging year, they haven't impressed me with the way that they're supporting or caring for their members. Mm. Um, we members are the union. Right. And yet I think most members are pretty disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so yeah, engagement is key. Um, involving the membership, and honesty from the leadership would go a really long way. Right. I'm looking for and hoping for. Yeah, me too. I when I just learned, I joined the union in um, 89, 90, my first gig, uh, extra chorus at the Met. And I realized a, the, the information came back to me of what the chorus, the Porgy and Best chorus made per performance. You mean last year? Last year. And there's a $50 difference Ooh. from 1989, <laughs> from 1989 to oh, yeah. 2019, it is a $50 difference. And I mean, I was That's told, ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And the dancers, I think, is even worse oh. in that show. Uh-huh. Or at least, uh, I've only done two shows with them, like just little tiny par- bit parts. Mm-hmm. But one of them was involved heavily um, uh, dance corps because it was, mm-hmm. it was Mary Widow and Operetta. Mm-hmm. And I found out what the dancers made mm-hmm. and it wasn't even enough to, to survive like a week in no. Manhattan, you no. know? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's very sad. Very, very sad indeed. Okay. Um, I read in your Instagram post that you recognized your white privilege and you wanted to be a catalyst for change in the industry and society as a whole. Um, has anything significant happened since your post? Um, have you received positive or negative feedback from colleagues who are Caucasian and non-Caucasian? You did mention this a little bit. Can you, can you be a little bit more specific? Sure, yeah. Um, I've had a lot of really meaningful feedback, actually, mainly from non-Caucasian colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, and even some of my followers on um, social media who don't work in the arts at all. You know, it's not only colleagues. So, yeah, like I mentioned a little earlier, it's been really incredible to be having these honest conversations with people. Um, and they see me trying to help, but they are able to identify ways that I could be doing it better. Mm -hmm. and, and what's more is they have the generosity to tell me, which mm -hmm. is not responsibility, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm really grateful for that. And I know that it's no one else's job mm -hmm. to raise my consciousness and help, help me to help other people. Um, but still, though, it's really powerful to have someone care enough to set you right. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that activism and advocacy that I get involved with, you run the risk of being called out as performative. Mm. Um, yeah. And I thought about this a lot at the beginning, but I think it's a necessary evil for those who want to use their, their platform to speak on it on any issue. Mm -hmm. So I made the choice kind of earlier in the year that it's better for me to say something and have even one person think differently about their perspective on the world mm -hmm. and you know, the way that they treat other people than to say nothing at all and do nothing to change anything. Mm -hmm. Even if someone says, Oh, well, you know, your, your motives must just be self-interest and um, you know, branding and making sure that, that people see you in the right light. It's not about that. It's, it's about, I don't feel like I can not say something. So right. I run the risk of having that interpreted in a certain way. To me, that doesn't matter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know that I'm learning, I'm growing and people are listening to me and they're questioning things and they're thinking differently and they're getting involved with, with work that they never did before. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, we have, we have a lot of work to do and it, it's slow. It's yeah. painstaking. It takes a lot of time, but it's so important. Mm -hmm. And I really do think that, that it's actually having an impact. Um, most of my efforts this year have been working with groups that um, are involved with things behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm doing it for the sake of it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I made some public facing statements earlier on and, and I still do when I feel like I need to, but I think it's far more important for me to just, just get on with it and, and do the, do the work for myself. Right. Right. So, yeah. Um, it doesn't matter if anybody knows about it. Right. But mm -hmm. a couple of the groups that I'm involved with, um, one with, uh, alumni from my university and, and one with, um, my fellow soloists in the industry, mm -hmm. I think we're actually making slow, but real progress for change. Mm -hmm. And especially for young artists and for students, mm -hmm. you know, the next generation, right. Um, I'm, I'm very hopeful. I see a big change in people's care and people's priorities mm -hmm. uh, this year that I've never seen before. And I guess in mine too, right? right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, I think it's worthy 
worthwhile work. There's a lot of it being done. Not a lot of it is necessarily visible, but it's being right. done. Right. And, um, and doesn't and, have to be visible. No, no. No, but I, I, um, I don't think there's any excuse to, for anyone who cares about making the world a more equitable place. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no excuse for, for staying quiet about it. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Okay. Um, well, let's start, I'll take this on a little lighter note. Um, from looking at your Instagram pics, you are ever the fashionista. I love it. I love the one. I think you have on, I think it's a riding outfit with the top hat. Is it one with the top hat? Oh, I was, love that. Is it a, a performing shot? Am I on a stage? I, with an no, no, I don't think it's a performing shot. It was one, I haven't seen it in a little bit, but that's the one I remember. Cause your head, your hair is red, of course, the red flowing hair. But I think you had, a, I think you had on like a riding out, like for um, fox hunting or something. You had a, a whole outfit on. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but okay. So, who are your go-to designers? Who who the, who are the people that know you and you go to every single time for an outfit? Well, I actually really like to go to independence. Um, so probably no one that you've ever heard of, but I tend to kind of find things at the source. Mm -hmm. um, I have a designer in my hometown in Ottawa, Canada, who um, has made a lot of my gowns. His name's David McCaffrey, and mm -hmm. he. And I worked together for quite a few years. We had a little bit of a like partnership going on. I, I was his, uh, I modeled for his uh, campaigns and then he would make me performing gowns. And nice. I still, yeah, it was a really great, great little situation. But mm -hmm. most of the performing gowns I have are from him. Mm -hmm. um, so hometown represent. Mm -hmm. um, I bought a few from an Omani designer last year. Um, Wani is her name. The, the label is Wani and Nad, her and her sister. Mm -hmm. uh, really beautiful stuff. She's in Muscat, so ah. um, but I have also a lot of vintage stuff and and things that I bought secondhand from one of my best friends. Her name's Amber Braid, mm -hmm. an amazing Canadian soprano, and probably the most the best taste in the business, I would say, as far as fashion. <laughs> so if you think I have good taste, because I'm, I'm wearing Amber's clothes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I to Amber. <laughs> yeah, she's she's something else. She really has an eye for it, and and she also is super generous. When she doesn't wear something anymore, she'll call me up and be like, "I've got this gorgeous thing from this random place, and I think it would look good on you, so <laughs> you can have it for fifty bucks." You know? Oh, great! So I'm very lucky. But yeah, yeah. Overall, I suppose my taste is quirky, vintage, and random. Uh huh. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I also, um, and this is, um, um, I, I know I promised I said no sidebar, sidebar questions, but I noticed your, fifth, your photographs with Tim Dunk. Yeah. Those are fantastic. And, and I was looking into them, looking into it. You have your iPhone and he tells you where the shot is. Yes. And, he, and you take the picture or does, uh, you take the picture or does he take the picture on his phone? He, there's an app. I can't remember what it's called. I had it on here. Uh, it's it's an app that you download and he download he has, mm -hmm. and then it allows him to operate your phone camera remotely. Oh wow! 
I know quite a few photographers are, are doing this, but he was one of the first this year to pioneer the, what did he call it? FaceTime photo shoot. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And you set up your phone, like you can either put it on a, a stand or on a shelf, or you can have another person. My fiance right. did one of them hold right. it for you. And he'll say a little to the left, you know, step into that light beam, put your head back <laughs> and, and then he can take the pictures. Right. It's kind of amazing, but wow. I, I did three shoots with him, I think since March. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a half hour, you know, you set it up. Yeah. He, he goes click, 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 click. And it's just fun. Wow. I thought it was fantastic. I looked at his Instagram page and I was looking at the photographs and I was like, just from an yeah. iPhone. You could do nope. it. Anyone can do it. You can be I, anywhere. Yeah, 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 I realized that. I realized that you have to have the right lighting though in the right space, I think, you know, to, to, to do it in. But um, yeah, it was fascinating. Fascinating. A wizard. Uh, you'd be surprised. He can make any light work. Honestly, wow. I think I had actually pretty terrible lighting in the place. <laughs> One of them, I set up four chairs on my patio and I put a sheet over it uh -huh. and I sat underneath it in this little <laughs> sheet fort because he said that like diffused light through a, through a fabric was a good right. look. Right. I made like a fort. <laughs> you wouldn't have known it. You no. wouldn't have known it. And that's fantastic. That's great. Okay. So um, the last question, who is your celebrity crush? Uh, um... <laughs> I would have to say you and McGregor. Ah. I think I will always be a little bit in love with him um, after seeing his character in Moulin Rouge. You know? uh -huh. Uh -huh. I, just, I can't get enough of that. His like earnest, you know, thing that he's got going on with Nicole Kidman. And <laughs> I know that was like 15 years ago, but to yeah. me, like McGregor and Moulin Rouge is my celebrity crush. But I'm also a little bit in love with Zoe Kravitz. Okay. Um, just so like damn earthy and herself uh -huh. and vulnerable uh -huh. and honest and it's all the things I love about a, a person as a public figure just feeling like they're they're really grounded in their authenticity and, and their identity and yeah and she's, she's a little bit of both her mom and her and her dad I think they both have that yeah yeah, yeah. and she's got this mystic thing too where she's uh -huh. almost like fairy and you know she uh -huh. seems like unreal but She's real. My mom met her. Oh. <laughs> I know she's real. My mom actually taught her a yoga class, so. Oh, wow. I know yeah. you're a little bit jealous about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Wally. I, this has been great. I, I feel like I know you a whole bunch more now with these questions, and, and uh, I really want to thank you for, for being on my show, the last show of the season, my last guest of the season. Yeah, wow. <laughs> well, it's quite the year. So it has been. It has been. And I think 21 is going to be interesting. I, will, mm. I, will, I wanted to say great, but I, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. I think we, we still have a lot of work to do. It'll be better. But I think we still have quite a bit work to do. I think we're not going to feel normal until 22 <laughs> again. But that's okay. That is okay because we're all getting shaken up. And what's coming out of it is, I think, something better. Mm -hmm. you know? Status yeah. quo is good to be shaken up a bit. Right. True. True. I, that's true. A lot of tragedy that I wish we could have avoided along the way. Yeah. But at the same time, the 
kind of uh, the leveling up that's happening in our consciousness and our, in our just general kind of approach to life, I think in so many different ways is, is exactly what we needed. Right. Well, I always said this time also was, uh, I think um, the world needed to be still. At least for for a minute, just be still for a minute, and uh, and and look. What, I, I, the other thing that I saw, look what happened. Um, the 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 pollution went down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and like um, wild animals started repopulating, you know, forested areas that they were otherwise too afraid to go to because yes. of. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was like a little shift needed to be needed to be had um unfortunately um like you said some souls were lost and which no one ever 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 wants but um uh no i don't want to say but because but just uh, diffuses everything i just said um things things happen for a reason i always think that things happen for a reason and you can have tragedy alongside growth and prosperity in other right. departments you know the two can coexist it's right. not one or the other so mm-hmm. we can acknowledge the tragedy and the loss and agree that it should never have had to happen right there's so much that could have been done to prevent the degree of loss that we've had and that and at the same time we can mm-hmm. celebrate the new kind of perspective that we have and the the new values and and mm-hmm. increase awareness of what really matters (laughs) but this has been wonderful thank you so much i really appreciate you uh appreciate you giving me some time today my pleasure angela thank you all right take care bye